grateful for that this evening he looked beyond all my faults all my mistakes he knew the mistakes you would make he knew the failures that you would have but he still loved you he didn't care how far in sin you was going to go he still loved you and that just amazes me every time I think about it the grace of God will look beyond all my faults to save me amen if you have your Bibles let's turn to Isaiah 54 and 16 it's good to be here again this evening it's good to have my wife and my little my little guy with me, Ethan. It's, it's uh, always wonderful to have them travel with me. I'm sure as Brother Joe knows, you go to new places. You don't know too many people, but there's one person you're going to know everywhere you go, and that's your wife. So if there's nobody else to talk to, you can always talk to your wife. So <laughs> I always enjoy her traveling around with me. Amen. Before we read, let's bow our heads. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, it's an honor coming to your house and into your presence, Lord. As we've sang songs of worship, Father, and we feel your presence and your, your anointing here, Lord. God, there's no doubt there's many needs that are here, Father. Lord, the, the neighbor might not know the needs, Lord. Me as a minister might not know the needs, Father. But you know exactly each one of the needs that are in this building, Father. And as I lay myself aside, I ask that you would anoint this vessel, Father. You placed a gift on the inside of my life, Lord. And I lay that gift back in your hands, Father. Speak to the people tonight. We ask these things in your precious name. Amen. Isaiah 54 and 16. Behold, I have created the smith that bloweth the coals in the fire, that bringeth forth an instrument for his work. And I have created the waster to destroy. No weapon that is formed against thee shall prosper. And you may be seated this evening. I, like I said, Sunday, I'm just a simple preacher, so I have a, a simple subject tonight. My subject would be the contrast. And I just want to start off by saying that I believe every son and daughter of God is born with a purpose. You're not here just by accident. You're not here just for, just for any reason, but you're here for a purpose. And God has a purpose for your life that nobody else can fulfill. Brother Branham would say, we are made for a purpose. This church was built for a purpose. The foundation was not dug. The cornerstone laid. The blocks laid in the building. The roof and the interior was not put here just to see if it could be done. But it was put here for a purpose, for a, by a purpose, for a purpose. Your home that you live in was not just accidentally put there or somebody just wasting time. Your home was made for a purpose to serve a purpose. And I started to think about it. This building was put here for a purpose. How much more are you and I put here for a purpose? The devil would like to come in and tell young people, tell adults to say, you know, you're here by accident. Mom and daddy didn't really. They don't love you. This one don't love you. You're here. You've got no purpose on the earth. But I'm here to tell you that you wouldn't be here unless you have a purpose. Brother Branham goes on to say that the car we drive was made for a purpose. It wasn't just made to see if it could be done, but it was made for a purpose. The materials wasn't made by man or wasn't made by men just to see if it could be done, but it was made for a purpose. And he says, we're not here just to eat food that God has grown. 
We're not here just to drive cars that man has made and live in a house that man has made. But he says, we're here for a specific purpose and nobody else can fulfill the purpose that God has placed on each one of our lives. Brother Branham says that nature has a purpose. Nature is just expressing what God is doing in the believer's life. He says as the, the tree dies, the plant dies. He says as Easter comes around, they come back again. That's expressing what God is doing in the believer's heart. When we pass away, we're going to rise up again. That is just, it's just a type of us. So if that has a purpose for them just being a type of us, how much more do we have a purpose being here on earth? Brother Branham would say, no matter how little you are, how big you are, how important you are, how unimportant you are, you are here to serve a purpose. Just as my finger is here for a purpose, my nail or my finger is for a purpose, my eye, every part of our body is to serve a purpose. It was not just put here to see what it would look like, but it was put here to serve its purpose. It was God's divine plan to do so. And I like how he puts that. No matter how big you are, how little you are, how important you are, how unimportant you are. So it don't matter if you feel the lowest of the lowest, you've got a purpose. Or if you feel like you're the greatest of the greatest, you've got a purpose. And just bear with me as I lay a little foundation here. But nothing happens by accident. But the Branham would say you were all pre-planned by God. Nothing happens by chance with God. He knows all about it. It's all pre-planned. Planned for many generations back so that you can be here tonight. Did you know that? My, that just struck me. He says, God has been working for, uh, for, for your life, for your purpose, for your nature, for many generations back. So nothing happens by accident. You may say, well, my mom and daddy got divorced or, or this happened and that happened. It all happened for a purpose so that you can be here. You know, Brother Branham would say that he, his mom and dad was put together for a purpose. His grandparents were put together so that he would have the nature that he would have. And I don't believe that's just for the prophet. But God has been working on your purpose, on your nature for many generations back. And let me say this. The devil cannot, does not have enough power, enough ability to destroy the purpose that God has on your life. You know, Brother Branham would say that God knew your hair color. He would knew the stature that you would have. He knew the makeup. He knew if you would have freckles. He knew if you would have red hair. God knows everything about us. And then we limit God to our circumstances. We limit God to what we go through. We limit God to our trials. But let me say this evening. If we take the limits of God, just watch what God would do in our lives. The trial ain't too big for God. The circumstance ain't too big for God. The lies that the devil is telling you ain't too big for, for God. But take the limits off of God and know that no matter what you go through, God knew you would be going through it. But the Branham would say, God knows the end from the beginning. Therefore, he could plan everything that would work out for his glory. That gives us courage to know no matter what comes or what goes, God is making everything. The time is or the clock is ticking just exactly on time. But then he says, sometimes we get weary, upset. 
we get hastily. We think, oh, we must do that or we must do this. But remember, God's clock will be just exactly on time. Therefore, he can make everything work according to his big time clock that is ticking away. He could foretell the end from the beginning. Therefore, he knew we would live in this day. He knew this would be our day. And he's got plans for this day. He's got plans. Plans for every day. And nothing ever has one of his plans ever failed. He's always on time. Oh, that places the courage in my heart. If I'm in the valley of the shadow of death, that don't destroy the purpose. If I'm in the lion's den, that don't destroy the purpose. If I'm in the fiery furnace, that don't destroy the purpose. And when we're on the mountaintop, that doesn't mean we've got a greater purpose. Our purpose never changes. No matter how high we are, how low we are, the purpose of God never changes. And we go, we don't go a day without him knowing about it. Uh, Isaiah 46 and 9. Remember the former things of old. For I am God and there was none else. I am God and there was none like me. Declaring the end from the beginning, from ancient times, to things that are not yet done. Saying, my counsel shall stand and I will do all my pleasure. Like I said, we put limits on God. He knows the end from the beginning. He knew you'd be sitting in this building. You know why he knew you'd be sitting in this building? Because he knows the end from the beginning. So the devil thinks that he can pour one on God and put you through trials and put you through circumstances. But God knew exactly what the devil would put you through. He didn't just know it, but he allowed the devil to put you through hard times. He allows, he thinks, the devil thinks he's bigger than what he really is. And we think the devil is bigger than what he really is. But he can't do nothing to your life unless he asks God permission. Oh my, and if he asks God's permission, then he knows you've got the strength to make it through it. Oh, come on somebody. He knows you've got enough strength to make it through it. Or what's the Bible say? He don't put more on us than what we can bear. You may say, Brother Josh, you don't know where I'm at this morning. I don't, but I know the same God that was with the three Hebrew boys is in the fiery furnace with you. Take the limits off God this evening. Take the limits off God in your life and watch what God will do. Oh, my. The Bible says in Isaiah 58 or 55 and 8, For I know the thoughts, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither my ways your ways, saith the Lord. And oh my, that places a courage in my heart because sometimes I wake up and I don't feel like a son of God. I wake up, I don't feel like I'm going to make a rapture. I wake up and I feel like I'm backslidden. Though my thoughts change concerning me, God's thoughts never change concerning me. Oh my, the thoughts of God are eternal. So if God's thoughts towards you is eternal, that means no matter what comes against you, your purpose will never be destroyed. The next verse, for as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, my thoughts higher than your thoughts. So that means I might not understand everything, but I know one thing. His ways are higher than my ways, and his thoughts are higher than my my thoughts but I like my opening scripture behold I have created the, the one that bringeth forth the instrument but I've also created the waster to destroy so he's talking about the contrast but then he stops and he says no weapon that is formed against you is going to prosper and oh my I never put two and two together I've read about the contrast and I read about that next scripture but that just stood out to me he's given the devil permission 
to destroy the world. He's given the devil permission to destroy this life, to destroy that life. But once it comes to my instrument, no weapon that you're going to form against my instrument ain't going to prosper. I don't care what you put him through. I've got a purpose in their life. And I'm going to give you some things. I'm going to, I'm going to let you touch Job's life. You can take his family away. You can take his livestock away. You can, you can, I'm going to give you permission to touch his body. But once it comes to his purpose, when it comes to his life, you cannot touch his life. Oh, even his wife turned against Job. This greatest companion turned against him. But God says, that's as far as you're going to go. You can't touch his purpose. Your friends may have turned against you. Your family members may have turned against you. Your your parents may have turned against you. Your wife may have turned against you. Your husband may have turned against you. But he cannot touch the purpose that is on your life. Come on, somebody. Get a courage about yourself and say, devil, no weapon that you're forming against my life is going to prosper because I've got a purpose. I'm not here by accident. I'm here to destroy the gates of hell. I'm here to bring down every stronghold. I'm here to bring down the enemy. And devil, I don't care what you put me through. It's not touching my purpose. Hallelujah. That's a revelation that we can grab a hold of and say, devil, back up. Oh, you remember the story, but Brother Brandon had a vision, I believe. And there was a little devil that come up to him and he would say, boo. And Brother Branham jumped back, and that devil got bigger. And he says it again, boo. Brother Branham jumped back, and that devil got bigger. And it kept getting bigger and bigger. And all of a sudden, Brother Branham came to himself, and something struck. And he stopped, and he says, boo, back to the devil. The devil got bigger, or got smaller, and Brother Branham got bigger. He realized that no weapon that was formed against him was going to prosper and this evening no weapon get some courage about yourself in the midst of the contrast in the midst of the hard times don't back up against the devil turn to the devil and say boo I've got a purpose boo I'm predestinated boo I'm elected and watch that devil have to go back to hell where he belongs That devil don't belong in your mind. That devil don't belong in your thoughts. That devil don't belong in your body. That devil belongs in hell. And let me say, you've got the power to send that devil back to where he belongs. You don't got to listen to that lie any longer. Come on, somebody. You don't got to listen to those thoughts any longer. For greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Oh, glory to God. You see, both are taking place. God is building up. The devil is destroying. But it don't matter how strong the waster is. He can't destroy the purpose on your life. And this is a scripture that we've all memorized. But too many times we read scripture time and time and time again. And we fail to see the true meaning behind scripture. Romans 8 and 29 says, For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate. So he's saying here, you're not here by accident. You've got a purpose. 
who we did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of the Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, whom he did predestinate, then he also called. Whom he called, then he also justified. Whom he justified, he also glorified. So he's, he's, he's making a statement here. He's making this clear. You've got a purpose. You're not here by accident. Then he says, what shall we say to these things? If God be for us, if we've got a purpose, if you're elected, if you're predestinated, if you're chosen for this moment, what waster can be against you? And I say this evening, if God be for you, if you've got a purpose, I don't care what the waster is sending your way. Nothing could destroy the purpose. Oh my, the 35th verse. Who shall separate us from the love of God? Oh my, nothing's going to separate me from the love of God. So tribulation or distress, persecution, famine, necklace, pearl, sword, as it is written, for thy sake we are killed all the day long. We are counted as sheep for the slaughter. Nay, in all of these things, in the midst of the contrast, in the midst of the waster, and nay, in all of these things, we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. For I am persuaded. We need to get some people that's persuaded. Not just guessing. Not just, not, 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 not just thinking about it, but persuaded. I'm persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angel, principalities, powers, nor things present, uh, the circumstance I'm in or the circumstance that I'm going to go in will never be able to destroy the purpose that God has in my life. Oh, my, well, more than conquerors. Brother Branham would say, now we want to draw this first into our minds that there is not one thing that can destroy us until the purpose of he who created us, he who created us has been fulfilled. The devil didn't create you. Come on, somebody. The waster didn't create you. The, the, the God created you. And that means no matter what you go through, it can never destroy the purpose. You may say, what about those ones that are dying that is with the way of the grave? Their purpose was fulfilled. Oh, my old grave, where was your sting? Death, where was your victory? This was somebody. Their purpose on earth was fulfilled. But now they've got a greater purpose. They've got a greater purpose. So death thinks he pulls one on God. But God says, oh no, the purpose on earth is fulfilled. Now I'm calling them up to, to a higher purpose. Oh, hallelujah. You see, the contrast ain't meant to destroy the purpose. It's meant to magnify the purpose. In our, in our laundry room, Loretta painted three of the walls white and one of the wall is a dark blue. And what that does, it creates a contrast. And that dark wall pops. But in this case, there's more darkness than there is light. There's sin. There's perversions. There's this and there's that. But all that is doing is making the bride of Christ pop. In the midst of the contrast, in the midst of the perversion, there's a bride that's not going down. She's going up. There's a bride that's not being defeated, but she's overcoming. Oh, my. So what the devil is doing, he don't realize that I'm going to pull a Timothy Pritt. Dumb old devil. He thinks he's destroying the purpose, but all he is doing is magnifying the purpose. So every trial you go through, say, thank you, devil. You're just magnifying my purpose on earth. Thank you, waster. You're just magnifying what God has called me to do. How could you fight devils if no devils come against you? 
How could you overcome sicknesses if you was never sick? How could, you de- how could you break the shackles if you was never bound? But it takes the contrast to reveal greater is he that is in you. Don't curse God in the hard times. Don't curse God in the trial. Don't curse God. But look to God and say, thank you for having confidence in me. Oh, it was God that told the devil. Asked him, what are you up to? Oh, just roaming to and fro, seeking one I may devour. Seeking who I'm going to destroy. Then God says, you know what? I'm going to allow a contrast. There's somebody on earth that has a purpose. And I want to show the devil his true purpose. Come on now. I want to show the devil his true purpose. So he asked him, have you considered my servant Job? Have you ever, have you considered him? He goes, oh yeah. But you've got a hedge around him. He goes, you know what? Fine, fine. I'm going to make you a deal. I'm going to take the hedge off of him. I'm going to take the hedge off of him. You try to destroy him. He goes, oh yeah, you just watch. I'm going to make him curse him, curse you to your face. And God says, oh no. In the back of his mind, he knew the purpose was greater than the waster. God knows you're not going to curse God. This one may turn away. That one may turn away. This one may blaspheme. But God knows there's something inside of you that can't turn away from the message. Can't turn away from his grace. Can't turn away from his love. And the only thing that the devil is doing is showing that the purpose can never be destroyed. But you notice, you notice what Job said after the trial. The Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away. Blessed be thy holy name. The contrast never took his praise away. The contrast never took his worship away. He lost his livestock. He lost his, he lost his children. He lost his wife. And we stub our toe when we lose our worship. I'm preaching now. We stub our toe or, we, or our co-worker gets an attitude and we lose our worship. We need to grow up. And realize our purpose ain't to be defeated. Our our purpose is to rise above every circumstance. Rise above every trial. Rise above everything we go through. And give God the glory in the midst of it all. The Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away. But waster, you're not taking my praise. Come on, somebody. You're not taking my praise. You're not taking my worship. It may be the midnight hour. I may be in a jail cell, but I'm still going to praise God. Then what did he say? I have heard of God by the hearing of the year, but now my eye seeth thee. So it took the contrast to get Job from just hearing about God now to seeing God. It took the hard times for Job to realize this ain't just the God of Moses. It ain't the God of Elijah. It ain't the God of Abraham. But this is the God of Job. But how did he realize that? Because of the contrast. Oh my. How, like I said earlier, how would you know God could heal if you was never sick? But it takes the contrast to magnify the beauty of the power of God. Hey, there's been many times when we was first married, there was times we didn't have money for our bills. And we called, the, we called the bank to see if we could push our loan back a few weeks and to get us some, so we can get some more money. And, uh, and we called the bank, and the bank says, what do you mean? The loan's paid for for the month. I'm like, what? We didn't pay it. 
We didn't have the money for it. But God took the contrast to show no matter what we go through, everything is in his control. Another time we knew we had a certain amount in the bank. We called the bank to make sure it was doubled. It was the contrast that revealed to us that no matter what we go through, what we go through, God is always in the midst of the contrast. But how could I tell those testimonies if we didn't go through it? At the time, we thought those were going to destroy us. We didn't know how we was going to make it through it. But you notice what the contrast did? It drove us to our knees. Hey, it takes the circumstances to get us on our knees too many times. It's the truth anyhow. But it was the contrast that caused us to get to our knees and say, God, I don't know what we're going to do. I got laid off from my job. It was the winter time, so I couldn't go. I do landscape in the summer times, so I couldn't go and do landscape. I felt helpless. As a man, it's not a, it's, there's not a worse feeling than knowing you can't provide for your family. But it took that to get me to the lowest of the lowest, where I couldn't look down anymore. The only way I can look, the only direction I can look was up. It took the contrast to get me to look up. Don't curse God in the hard times. He's wanting to reveal himself to you in a greater way. You know, Brother Branham says that before the world was created, God inside of God was attributes. Attributes to be a healer, a deliverer, a savior, a father. But he was God alone. He was Elohim, I believe. And since he was God alone, there was nobody to reveal those attributes to. And so what happened? God allowed the devil to come into the garden and cause the contrast. And now that there's sin, there's sickness. Because there's sin, there's bondage. Because there's sin, there's this and there's that. Now God can show himself as a deliverer. He can reveal himself as a healer. So God allowed the devil to come in the garden so that he can reveal himself. The devil can't do nothing without God knowing about him. Oh my. And so now that the devil caused Eve to fall, there's man that's going to hell. So now God said, Yes, I can reveal myself as a redeemer. There's man with the with the fallen nature. Now I can show myself as a savior. But it took the contrast. Oh, this is okay this evening. It took the contrast for God to reveal himself. You look at Romans 9 and 17. For the scripture saith unto Pharaoh, even for this same purpose have I raised thee up, that I might show my power in thee. Inside of Pharaoh? How is this even possible? God was allowing Pharaoh to harden his heart so that God can reveal himself through the children of Israel. That I might show my power in thee. That my name might be declared throughout all of the earth. You notice, you notice when the spies got in the Jericho. What did Rahab the harlot say? We have heard what y'all did to the Egyptians. And the men's hearts have become fainted. How did that take place? Because of the contrast. How come the devil's afraid of this bride? Because of the contrast. Hey, it's the truth anyhow. How come he knows that no weapon formed against you is going to prosper? Because of the contrast. But at the same time, this is going on. Exodus 9 and 12. And the Lord hardened the heart of Pharaoh. And he hearkened not unto them as the Lord had spoke unto Moses. And the Lord said unto Moses. So as his heart was being hardened, he didn't leave Moses by himself. 
Oh my, your circumstances may be getting hard, but God hasn't left you by yourself. He's still there. The Lord said unto Moses, rise up early in the morning, stand before Pharaoh, and say unto him, thus saith the Lord God of the Hebrews, let my people go that they may serve me. So at the same time, Pharaoh was saying no, God was giving Moses a visitation. God can still visit you in the hard times. God can still speak to you in the fiery furnace. Oh my God, you know, you know what I hope oh, this is okay. Nebuchadnezzar looked down, and I believe it was Nebuchadnezzar. Hope I got the right person. Looked down in the fiery furnace and says, I thought we threw three in there. How come there's a fourth one in there that looks like the Son of God? Even the waster knows there's a God on earth because of the contrast. I know it's simple, but it's good preaching. It was because of the contrast that the waster knew that he couldn't destroy the purpose. But you think the devil will learn that he can't destroy the purpose. Oh, my. You notice the definition of waster. This just stood out to me. To destroy, to corrupt, to ruin, to decay, to pervert. That definition stood out to me. Waster is to pervert. Brother Branham says that the devil can't create. He can only pervert. So he takes what God has created and perverts it for his own gain. Brother Branham says Satan's only power he's got is the perverted power of God. It isn't a real power. Oh my. It isn't a real power. It's a perversion of God's power. Everything that Satan has. Death is only a perverted life. A lie is only the truth mistold. Adultery is an act misused. A righteous act misused. See, everything that Satan has got is something that is perverted. But it's a power. And here we are today sitting here. One or the other power is going to control us. So let us cast out the evil one. Let's take our position like the stars of the heavens. Oh my, so the power that the devil's got is only a perversion. So that means it don't got the authority that the original's got. So why would we want to come under the power of a knockoff when we can come under the authority of the genuine? Like I said Sunday, there's, there, there's many counterfeits out there, but there's no counterfeit $44 bill because there's not a genuine out there. But you notice a five a counterfeit five dollar bill don't got the purchasing power that a real five dollar bill's got. So the devil may think he's got you, but he's got no power to hold you until you realize that he's a fake. Hey, the only way you can realize, the only way that you come to a realization that you that you got a counterfeit is to match the two together. Then you realize I've got a counterfeit. I've got no power. Then you got to get the genuine because the one you've got got no power. And that's the way it is with the perverted power of the devil. You got to realize this is a perversion. There's an original out there somewhere that can pull me out of this trial, that can pull me out of this hard time. Oh my, you look at the, the disciples was on the, on the sea, fearing for their lives. The waves are starting to roar and that the boats was starting to rock back and forth. But you notice, before the waves or before the storm was the water. Before the storm was the, was the rain. Before the storm was the wind. So the devil took what God had created and created the vine and took that and perverted it. You see, the water wasn't created to destroy the boat. 
The wind wasn't created to destroy the boat. The water wasn't created to destroy the boat. But the perverter took what God created, the original, and perverted it. But it didn't matter how big that storm was. Brother Branham says there was thousands of demons that swore to take that boat to the bottom of the ocean. But they couldn't. You know why? Because Jesus says, let us go to the other side. He gave a command. He gave them a purpose. We're not going across the ocean by accident. We're not just going to see what's on the other side. But I'm giving you a purpose. Let us go to the other side. And what happened? As long as the disciples was looking at the perversion, Jesus remained asleep. As long as you're looking at the perversion, Jesus is going to remain asleep. You need to quit looking at the trials. Quit looking at the circumstances. Quit looking at the perverter and wake up the creator. What happened? They woke up Jesus and says, do you care that we perish? He got up and he says, where's your faith? Don't you know who I am? But since they didn't know who he really was, they were focused on the perverter. Too many people lack an experience with God. So every trial they go through, they backslide. Every circumstance they go through, they backslide. They curse God. But you get an experience, not of a perverted power, but of the original power. It anchors something on the inside that God's never going to leave me. He's never going to forsake me, but he's going to be with me to the end of the world. What happened? Jesus got up and he says, peace be still. And what happened? The perversion went back to its original state. The water went back to the way it was before the perversion. Oh, I hope you're catching it this evening. The creator's in the building. Look away from the perversion and let the original creator take the perversion and restore it back to the original. The trial ain't meant to destroy you. The circumstance ain't meant to destroy you. But let the creator take the contrast. What do the disciples say? What manner of man is this? That the winds and the waves obey him. It was the contrast that revealed to them that he was God. It took the hard times to reveal to them that he was God. Oh my, but you notice what was on the other side of that storm? On the other side of that storm was a man that needed to get in front of Jesus. What if they wouldn't have pressed through that storm? What if God was like us too many times? Says, oh, it ain't worth it. I'm not going to go to church. Oh, I'm not going to read my Bible. I'm not going to pray. I'm not going to do this. If God had the same attitude that we had too many times, where would we be tonight? Oh, this is okay. But there was a man on the other side of the storm that was in a perversion that needed to be restored to the original. So that means they had to press. Many times we got to press. We got to press through the storm. We got to press through the winds. We got to press through the waves so that we can get in front of the creator. You know, Brother Branham says that Legion had a wife and some children. So what happened once he got in front of God, got in front of Christ, he was set free. And Brother Branham says he went back to his wife and children. So he went back to the state that he was in before the perversion. That's what happens when you let the creator deal with the perversion. We're not meant to deal with the perversion. God is meant to deal with the perversion. 
as long as the disciples was trying to keep the boat afloat. Yeah. I always get that mixed up. Now, as long as they were trying to do it themselves, the creator couldn't take the perversion. But when they stopped and says, God, we can't do this, that's when the creator came on the scene. We need to stop trying to whip up on the devil in our own ability. It's not going to happen. You're not going to do it. You're not smarter than the devil. You're not stronger than the devil. But there's the creator that can take every circumstance and turn it for your good. Take every trial and turn it for your good. Take everything you go through and turn it for your good. Quit looking at the perversion and look to the creator. Oh, hallelujah. Look to the creator. So I'm going to move on and make it a little more personal. What's a complex? A complex is the original thoughts of God that the devil has perverted. And now we're so focused on the perversion, we can't come to church no more. Oh, this is okay, Brother Joe. We're so focused on the perversion, we can't go to youth gatherings no more. We're so focused on the perversion, we can't listen to the pastor no more because he's got something against me. You know, it's like a story in the Bible in the Old Testament. I believe it was the Syrians had sieged Samaria and they had cut off their water supply. They had surrounded the city and they were inside of a walled city that they had created to defend themselves. They didn't want to get hurt, so they created a walled city to defend themselves. And that's what a complex is. You don't want to get hurt, so you build up a walled city. But what happened on the inside of the walled city? The Bible says a famine took place. A drought took place. It got so bad that women were starting to eat their babies. They were eating their own children because of the walled city. And what happens in a complex? The ones you love the most get hurt. Your family members get hurt. Your parents get hurt. Your children get hurt because of a walled city that you built up to protect yourself. While everybody was stuck inside of this city, there were some lepers that sit at the gate. They said, you know what? Are we going to sit here till we die? Are we just going to sit here in this perversion? Are we going to let this complex take every bit of Christ out of us? Are we going to let this sickness take every bit of faith out of me? Are we going to fight this thing? We need to quit giving in to the devil and get some grit about us and say, I'm not backing down. I'm not laying down, but I'm going to fight for every inch of ground. I'm going to press my way to Christ. So that the creator can take the perversion and turn it back to the original. What happened? So these lepers says, are we going to sit here till we die? They walked out of the city and there was nobody there. That's what a complex is. You build up a wall because your friends don't like you. You build up a wall because the pastor don't like you. You build up a wall because Brother Joe don't like you. But in reality, there's nothing even there. Just walk out of the walls. Walk out of the city. Walk out of those complexes. Walk out of that perversion. Because outside of the wall is water. Inside of that complex, you're thirsting for fellowship. 
uh, inside of that complex. You're hungering for the move of God, but you can't have it inside of that walled city. But walk out of the walled city. There's food. There's water. There's fellowship. There's a renewing for you. There's the Holy Ghost for you. There's deliverance for you. There's salvation for you. Walk out of that walled city. Or we're going to sit here till we die. Walk out of the perversion and get some food this evening. God loves you. The pastor loves you. Mama loves you. Walk out of that perversion and let the creator take the perversion and turn it back to the original. Oh, my, no weapon that is formed against you that includes complexes is going to prosper. I don't care what those thoughts are that says you're not good enough, you're too ugly, you're too fat, you're too skinny. I'm sure there's some complexes that says you're too purty. A complex is going to turn anything it can against you. But walk out of the perversion. Walk out of the perversion. God made you exactly the way he wanted you. What happens when you're in a complex? You can't fulfill the purpose that God has for you. That's the devil knows he can't destroy the purpose. So he puts you in a situation where you can't fulfill your purpose. Hey, that's pretty good. He can't destroy it. But he allows a perversion to get around your mind. You build up, you're working for the devil. You're working for the devil. He's handing you the brick and you're piling up there. You're getting some mortar. You're piling it on there. And the devil's right behind you laughing at you. I got him now. He's building his own prison cell. He's he's building his own prison wall. But the same devil, we're walking out of the city. The, The creator has opened up the prison cell, opened up the walls so that we can walk out of the perversion. Oh my, Jeremiah 29 and 11. For I know the thoughts that I think towards you. Saith the Lord, thoughts of peace, not of evil, to give you an expected end. Not thoughts of evil. What are complexes? Thoughts of evil. But that's not the original thoughts of God. That's a perversion that the devil has took off of the original. Oh my, Brother Branham says there has been so much mockery in the name of divine healing. There's been so much mockery in the phrase of religion. But there's a real power of the Holy Spirit that delivers the human being. Glory to God. That delivers the human being from the bondage of sin. There's a real power of the Holy Spirit that delivers the sufferer from his suffering. The devil's got a perverted power, but there's the real power that can take you from complexes, take you from anxiety. Let's deal with anxiety. What's anxiety? It's the peace that passeth all understanding that's been perverted. Now you're scared to even drive. You're scared to walk out of your home. You're scared to go here. You're you're scared to get close to somebody because you're afraid they're going to hurt you. You're afraid of this and afraid of that. That's a perversion that wasn't meant for you. You're meant to have a peace, a sound mind, a power. Oh, come on, somebody. I'm saying this evening, you don't got to stay in the perversion. Walk out of the perversion and start to manifest the purpose that God has for you. Oh, hallelujah. 
2 Timothy 1 and 7. For God hath not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, of love, and of a sound mind. That's the real spirit I'm talking about. Of power, of love. You know, you don't know what that person done to me. You know what we did to Christ? We're the ones that put him on the cross. And so what happens? Bitterness starts to come in. I hope this is okay tonight. Bitterness starts to come in because that one did you wrong. And so what that is doing is a perversion that's perverting your life. It's starting to corrupt you from the inside like a cancer. You can't see a cancer from the outside, but on the inside it's eating away. That's what bitterness does. You don't know what so-and-so did to me 20 years ago. I don't care what so-and-so did. I know what God did. God paid the price so bitterness can be destroyed. Christ paid the price so that hatred toward your loved one, toward your family member, whoever it is, can be dealt with. It's a perversion that's not meant for you. Let the creator take you to the original. Oh, my. Let the creator take it back to the original. You see, we don't got no choice to go through trials. We don't got a choice to go through perversions. But we do have a choice to let the perversion comes on the inside. What's the devil after? He's after your faith. The trials that you go through, it's him trying to destroy your confidence in God. It's him trying to destroy your confidence in his word. So when you go through trials, you don't got a choice. But you do have a choice to let that come on the inside and disrupt your faith. And start to pervert your faith. Oh, what's the Bible say in 1 Peter 1 and 5? Who were kept by the power of God through faith. You are kept by faith. So if the devil can disrupt your faith, there's nothing to anchor you no more. Oh, my. But as long as you don't let the perversion affect your faith. You're anchored. You're solid. And nothing can move you. Nothing can shake you. And the salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. Wherein ye greatly rejoice. Though now for a season if need be. You're in heaviness through manifold temptation. That the trial of your faith. Being much more precious. Than of gold that perisheth. Though it be tried with fire. Might be found in a praise and honor and glory. At the appearing of Jesus Christ. The trying of your faith. Is worth more than gold. We don't realize the necessity of faith too many times. We can't be healed without faith. We're not going to see a body change without faith. We're not going to see a rapture without faith. We can't take the message off of the tape players and manifest it without faith. And so the trials is trying to destroy your faith. Are you catching me this evening? But we don't got to allow the devil to destroy our faith. Oh my but the Branham says, you see, we're either going to let the trial build up our faith or destroy our faith. You look at Brother Branham and his trainer, his boxing trainer. He was going through trial after trial after trial. Brother Branham says his trainer would beat up on him, hit him, knock him out of the ring. And Brother Branham says he got up one time and says, are you trying to kill me? What are you, what are you trying to do? He says, I'm equipping your body. He says, the big blows stops the blood. And he says, once your blood stops, you're going to pass out. But I'm equipping your body right now with these big blows so that when you're in the ring, you can take big blows. And while the other ones are falling down for the count, you can get back up. So Brother Branham could have said, you know what, I'm not made for this. And walked out of the ring 
Or he could say, you know what? I'm going to allow the trials to build up my purpose. We can either quit in the trial and walk away. Or we can say, I'm going to keep pressing on and let the trial build up my faith. You see, the trainer wasn't trying to destroy his purpose. He was trying to equip him for his purpose. Oh, my. God ain't trying to destroy the purpose. He's allowing the devil to put you through hard times to equip you for your purpose. So now, Brother Branham, he was undefeated. He won the championship. He could, I'm sure he got knocked down many times. But because of his training, he could get back up. The other ones will lay down and walk away. And the other one, your friends may be walking away. Your loved ones may be walking away. But because of your training, you're still here. Because of the trials, you're still standing strong on your faith. Oh, my. You look at the Shunammite woman. The Shunammite woman wasn't able to have a child. She wasn't able. It looked like God was punishing her. It looked like God was, well, 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 uh, was sending her through hard times for no reason. But it was that trial that created the faith for another trial. You know what I'm talking about? She wasn't able to have a child. So the prophet gave her a child. She was barren. She couldn't have no children. But the prophet gave her a child. And later on in the story, the child dies. But since God gave her a child when she wasn't able to have one, she knew that trial created the faith. If God gave me a trial, if God brought me through that one, he can take me through this one. So what happens? She goes to the prophet and the prophet says, all is well with you. All is well. All is well with your husband. All is well. All is well with your baby. All is well. I know if I can just get in front of the prophet. Come on, somebody. If I can just get in front of the one that gave me the promise. God gave you a promise. He's never going to leave you. He's never going to forsake you. But he's going to be with you. If you can just get in front of the creator this evening, the perversion can be returned back to the original. But it took the training to equip her faith. It was that trial that built up a faith. You see, it was in the midst of her brokenness. Too many times we allow the devil to work on our brokenness. We're at our lowest of the lowest, the weakest of the weakest. And right there, we're at a vulnerable point. The devil's going to come in and whisper lies to us. And he's going to take advantage of our brokenness. But God wants to take advantage of your brokenness. You may say, you don't know where I'm at. My heart's crushed. I'm this, I'm that. God's right there to bring you through it. But he's waiting for somebody to look to him. Oh, my. You see, it was Jonah's brokenness that God used to to win a city. You know, Brother Branham says whenever he went to Nineveh, he says that uh, that Nineveh worshipped the sea gods. And so whenever that whale came up, and Brother Branham says he wrote his tongue on the sea or on the sand, and Jonah came walking off his tongue, and he says, repent or perish. Brother Branham says they seen their sea god. Spit out a prophet that says repent or perish. It was, it was Jonah's brokenness that God used to win a city. I could just imagine. Let's just dramatize it for a second. Jonah's walking out and these men come walking up to him. What are you doing? What, 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 why are you here? He says repent or perish. Why? Well, what, why, why does God care about us? Why, is he, why did he send you here to save us? Then he could tell his testimony. And say, you know what? I was running from God. I was running from my purpose. I was running from my calling. But the same God that gave me a second chance is here to give you a second chance. It was his brokenness 
that God used to win a city. And God can use your brokenness to win somebody to Christ. God can use your brokenness to win your neighbor, to win a family member. So instead of letting the devil take the brokenness, let God take the brokenness. The woman up the well used her brokenness to win many souls. She ran into the city and says, come see a man who told me all that I ever done. The Bible says in John 4 and 39, many of the Samaritans of the city believed on him for the saying of the woman. He told me all I ever done. It was her brokenness that God used to win a city. You notice Christ never went inside of the city, but he won somebody through their brokenness. And they went into the city. Don't ever be ashamed of your testimony. Don't be ashamed of what God did for you. You know, too many people think, well, I'm not a preacher. God can't use me. I'm not a singer. God can't use me. Gifts and callings are without repentance. Each one of us is here with a calling. You may not have any gifts that you can point to, but you're still called. He separates the two, gifts and callings. You may say, I don't play music, I don't sing, I don't preach, I don't do this. That doesn't mean you're not called. God's called you for a purpose that the ones with gifts can't fulfill. Me as a preacher don't got your testimony. Me as a preacher don't got your testimony. But God has given you a calling that I can't do. Hey, my brother, my brother Caleb's not a preacher. Me and Colby are preachers. We're singers, we're song leaders, we play music. Caleb sometimes feels left out. But I told him, you've got a testimony I don't got. So me as a preacher can't fulfill a purpose that you've got because you've got another calling. We need to quit comparing ourselves to this one. Quit comparing ourselves to that one. Quit comparing yourselves to each other. You've got a calling that you can, only you can fulfill. So now when somebody's in drugs, I've never been bound to drugs. So I can't tell them how God delivered me. But Caleb can you know, whenever, he, whenever somebody's bound by drinking, I've never been bound by drinking. But Caleb has. So now he's got something through his brokenness that God can use to save somebody. You've got something through your brokenness that God can use for your purpose. All things work together for the good according to his purpose. So a purpose is never destroyed. Oh, my. So we can let that pervert our faith. Brother Branham says there's a certain amount of faith that goes with Satan. In order to accept Satan, you've got to believe Satan. So there's a perverted faith to a perverted thing. So in order for bitterness to set in, complexes to set in, these other things to set in, you've got to accept it. You've got no choice to go through it. But you do got a choice to let it come in and pervert your faith. You know, Brother Branham says in order to believe a lie, you've got to reject the truth. So in order to believe those complexes, you got to reject what God thinks towards you. Oh, come on, somebody. In order to accept that anxiety, you got to reject the peace that God's got for you. And let me tell you this. The complexes are taking you down, but God's peace will take you up. That faith is going to take you up. Don't, don't, don't let the devil take that away from you. What did Paul say? I ran my course. I finished the race. And I kept my faith. He went through shipwreck. He was beaten. He was scourged. He was stoned. But none of the perversions took his faith away. 
and he can stand at the end of the day and say, devil, you tried to destroy me. You tried to pervert me, but I'm not allowing the perversion to come on the inside. I'm going to keep my faith in the word of God. I'm going to keep my faith inside of the word of God, inside of my purpose. Brother Branham says, he says, salvation lasts as long as faith lasts. Divine healing lasts as long as faith lasts. Oh my. He says, your experience 40 years ago, forgot you ever had an experience and go out here tonight and say, I don't believe in it. I'm not God's servant now more. Watch how long your experience lasts. Certainly. Your experience lasts as long as your faith lasts. So if you allow the devil to pervert your faith, Brother Branham says a perverted faith is unbelief. So whenever your faith starts to be perverted, unbelief's coming in. And now you're losing your salvation. You're losing your joy. You're losing your peace. You're, you're losing your happiness. But you don't got to leave the same way. The creator's in the building. Restore your peace Restore the joy Restore the long suffering And give your revival Like never before Give your renewing Like never before Hey, too many times We have more expectation For the building to have a revival Than we do for us to have a revival Hey, it's something I've been thinking We have a revival this weekend And I started thinking about it We get all prepared I hope this is okay. We get all prepared. We get food cooked. We get a building. We get our building set up and everything. And we get more expectation for the building than we do for us. We have more expectations for this one to be healed. This one to be set free than we do. We come to church just expecting to hear a good sermon. But let's put our expectations a little more personal. I don't want just to hear a good sermon. I want the God of the sermon to touch me one more time. I want the God of the sermon to renew me, revive the fire. Hey, the fire's still there. I may just got a little dim, but you just need a wind. But the Branham says, what's a revival? He says, it's not bringing new converts in. It's not fellowshipping. He says, those things come with it. A revival is to revive what you already got. So that fire may be a little dim this evening. You look at in the beginning, the Bible says, the spirit of the Lord moved on the face of the waters. So the spirit of the Lord took chaos and made paradise. Just like we was in chaos. And the spirit of the Lord took chaos and made paradise for God to live in. But you notice the devil came into the garden. And because of sin, paradise started to be perverted. But God ain't going to allow the earth just to pervert away. But the Branham says the fire that's going to burn the earth is a baptism of fire. So it's going to get a renewing. Even though the spirit of the Lord moved in the beginning because of sin, it needs a renewing. You may have got a touch 30 years ago. You may have got a touch 50 years ago. But if the perverter has perverted your faith, you need another touch. And you're not too old for another touch. You're not too young for a touch. Oh, we get in our minds, well, I've been in the message for 50 years. I can't get nothing else from God. You're perverted. You're perverted. Oh, my, I, I, I haven't felt the presence of the Lord in 20 years. You're perverted. But the same thing, the creator's in the building to take the perversion that you're in and restore the joy of your salvation, rekindle the flame that you had 30 years ago, rekindle the flame that you had back whenever you first gave your heart to God. Brother Branham, I don't got the quote in front of me. He says, you may say I got touched 30 years ago, but he says, what about today? 
He says, that experience got wiggle tails in it. Oh, my. That means it's starting to rot. It's starting to be perverted. So we can't rely on an experience that we got 30 years ago because it's going to start to pervert itself. But you need experience today. You need one Sunday. You need one next week. Oh, my. It's an experience that God can give us on a daily basis. Too many times we put a period on. We put a period on our experience. We're not meant to put a period on our experience. Our experience is still going to be going when we're in the rapture. We're going to experience things we've never experienced before. So if we're putting our putting a period on our experience, as the musicians come, if we're putting an experience or a period on our experience, that means God can't do nothing for us anymore. But let's take the limits off God. Let's take the period off and say, you know what, God? There's some things in my life I'm not happy with. The perverter has come and perverted some things. But tonight I recognize your presence. I may not even I may not be able to feel your presence tonight, Lord, because I'm so perverted. But tonight I want to feel your presence again. I want to have that peace again. I want to have that long suffering again. I want to have that joy again. I want to have that love again. Walk out of the city tonight. Walk out of the perversion and allow the creator to restore your joy. You know, Brother Branham says that David didn't lose his salvation. He lost the joy of his salvation. You may have not lost the Holy Ghost. You may have lost the joy in it. What's it mean to lose the joy of the Holy Ghost? You're not proud to be a Christian no more. You're not proud to wear your long skirts no more. You're not proud not to wear that makeup no more. You're not proud for young men not to wear skinny jeans no more. You're perverted. You just need a renewing. Let the Holy Ghost that fell five years ago, last year, at youth camp, let it come and give you another renewing. And let the perverter go away so that the creator can come. And let's bow our heads tonight. Can you just play something soft, sister? If there's somebody, I know this was really chopped up and scattered, but if there's somebody that want to say, Brother Josh, I want the creator to come by my way. There's hands everywhere. Say, Brother Josh, the perverters come in and it's perverting my joy, perverting my peace, perverting the fire that I once had. But tonight, I want the creator to come in. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, you see the hands, you see the ones that come to the altar, Lord. They don't want to stay in the perversion any longer. They don't want to stay in the walled city any longer. But they're saying, shall we sit here till we die? No, I'm not going to sit here in this perversion any longer. But I'm walking out of this perversion so that the Creator can restore my joy. Lord, may the fire of the Holy Ghost come and touch each individual, Lord, like never before. Rekindle that flame, Lord, like never before. We ask these things in your name. inside tell you we'll pray for you can we just lift our hands and sing it tonight oh yes is that your desire fill